Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ. Brand new episode of the CJ Show. It is Thursday. We're going to start off with something, uh, I just a name of a segment I just came up with on the fly. Leafs Corner. Because... Uh- Going to have to talk a lot about the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is pretty much in your wheelhouse because, uh, of course, you uh, follow the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs regularly with uh, columns uh, that you write about in the Toronto Star and also covering the NHL, of course. Uh, And also a big shout out to the homies at North Star Bets because we have to shout the homies out. But anyway, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, we've already got a segment about this. It's called the Steve Dangle Podcast, don't we? Ah, we do have a still, we have a show, essentially. Well, we, it's not our show. It's part of the SDPN. I mean, they could, we, we could leave it to them, but we do have a lot to talk about with the Leafs, especially with the fact that uh, uh, Jake Muzzin is on LTIR, uh, Rodion, um, uh, sorry, it's Amirov or um, I think I got the Amirov. Sorry. Uh, Unfortunately. Yes. It's all good. Uh, Unfortunately diagnosed uh, with a brain tumor uh and some pretty significant losses for the Leafs in the last few days and they're a team that's expected to be pretty active ahead of the trade deadline uh coming next month so yeah we are going to spend a considerable amount of time on this podcast talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs I guess we should start with the Jake Muzzin LTIR injury uh suffer against the Montreal Canadiens in a pretty unfortunate accident I think he ran into Chris Weidman if I remember correctly uh but now he is on long-term injured reserve I guess before we get to the whole, uh, I guess before we get to salary cap issues and what that can mean for the team there, just a note on, on Jake Muzzin, if you can, like this is not the first time he's had to deal with some major injury since he's joined the Leafs. Yeah. He's had a really difficult season. Um, and that's after two playoffs, the last two Leafs playoffs, he, he got injured during the series. Uh, Montreal was game six. He had a groin injury and then he had an unfortunate incident in the bubble with Columbus. So, you know, it's been a couple tough years in a sense for Jake Muzzin because obviously you get to his stage of his career, you know, the reason and, and the importance he carries with the Leafs, you know, it's in those moments you want him to be there for. And here we are again with some uncertainty. And, you know, if there's maybe some positive, if you're looking for the, the, the little bit of sliver here, is that he's not a player who's actually had concussion trouble throughout his career. He doesn't have a long history of, of diagnosed concussions or head traumas among, you know, the injuries he has suffered. But the downside is that he had one in January and here he, and that took him quite a while to recover from. 
and now he's got another one that he's recovering from in February. And, you know, there's pretty much an acceptance, you know, from Jake, his agents, the team, I think everyone's on the same page that it's going to be a fairly long layoff just to get a sense of it um, because he did have, you know, some pretty significant symptoms the last time around. And I think caution is the name of the game. And as you say, it's a total fluke play, loses an edge, slams into Chris Weidman, there's no fault to be assessed. There's, there's almost like no, not too much thinking to had, be had about it other than it's just unfortunate how it happened. And, um, you know, it, it creates now this dynamic heading into the trade deadline that wouldn't have been there because he's been already been placed on long-term injured reserve. Uh, but, but the Leafs can really only use that cap space with deadline acquisitions if he's gone for the rest of the regular season. And, you know, we're only a couple days since this incident happened. Um, and, and, you know, at this point, no one knows for sure. And, and so there's going to be a ton of talk about that. A lot of closely studying the Leafs roster moves for hints about how they feel about it. Um, and then, you know, obviously we hope the best for Jake and his recovery as well. Absolutely. Uh, I was reading a piece from uh, our buddy, James Myrtle earlier this morning, uh, essentially kind of deep, just wondering what the Leafs could do if with Jake Muzzin on LTIR, ahead of the trade deadline. And, and you can correct me if I have it wrong here, but I think with the fact that Rasmus Sandin was demoted and they called up two other players, it'll kind of help uh, build up some, I guess, some salary space. And with Jake Muzzin on LTIR, the, the Leafs could essentially put themselves in a situation where they could exceed the cap by a little over 5.6 million. That's, that's me trying to use my brain. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say it as simple as possible for those that aren't well-versed in the CBA. Essentially, before you place the player on LTIR, you can go over the cap by his cap hip, but any, any amount you have left under the ceiling when you do it, that, that eats into it. And so what the Leafs did, and this, this does sort of signal that they're maximizing their space there, is they, they called up Christians, Rumens, and Brendan Mantle, um, you know, who I don't believe are roster options for them. This is on an off day. They sent down Rasmus Sandin, and the balancing of the books in that got them, I believe, within about 20000 of the cap ceiling. So then when they placed Jake Muzzin's $5.625 million contract on, you know, it leaves them more than 5.6 million in room, give or take. And some of these numbers are a bit rough because, you know, we, we lean on the good folks at Parkpedia and Cap Friendly for these numbers. But literally, if they had one player's roster designation off this season, um, the numbers would be a little bit, you know, off and, and the league doesn't publish those numbers. But within, you know, for being general and very close to accurate, the Leafs have about 5.6 million that they could add today. But of course, if they went and traded for a $5 million player just for fun today, Jake and Jake Muzzin was ready to play before the, the, the regular season ends, they'd have to clear $5 million off the cap to make that happen. So, you know, they'll, they'll have to be strategic in how they use this. I have a feeling they don't know for sure themselves. I mean, they put themselves in a position where they have that, that room, but they, they probably don't know yet just what Jake Muzzin's prognosis is going to be, um, you know, how that all unfolds. But Certainly by March 21st, which is the trade deadline, they're going to have a lot better idea of, of his recovery timeline and whether a trade can be made. And, you know, the Leafs wanted to be active anyway. Um, you know, I think that they were in a position where they're considering maybe removing more assets as part of other trades to, to take on salary. And so this could end up being a, some kind of blessing in disguise. You know, no one's cheering, of course, for an injury, but this is a sport where players routinely get injured. Uh, it's dangerous and physical. Um, and so this, this could wind up allowing the Leafs to, to add another player and then hopefully be in a position to bring Jake Muzzin back in at some point before the big games in the playoffs. But 
again, it's a little too premature to say 100% that's what's going to happen. I, I just think it's it's definitely a possibility or an avenue that, that the Leafs might be going down. Because, I mean, the Leafs could just pull a Tampa and just not play Jake Muzzin until the playoffs. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are doing that with Mark Stone, it looks like. I mean, why not yeah. do the same thing? I I think so, but I think there's there's some subtle differences, right? Like Mark Stone's, they've been managing that back injury throughout the year. They knew they had to activate Jack Eichel. You know, I'm not saying it's conspiracy theory, but I, I think that there was some time maybe to plan for that. That's all. I mean, look at this is within the rules, man. Like, like Mark Stone has legitimate back injury. Like that, that's not a question. I think the only thing the league might look at closely with that is is how long does he need to be out? What's the treatment plan? Like, like are you using this as an advantage? But but to this point, they haven't done anything wrong. Like long-term injured reserve exists. Half the league is in it. Half the league is exceeding the cap or pretty close to half because of it. I mean, this is this is this happens every season. I think what we've seen some teams do is is be strategic. I don't I don't think there's anything strategic about a concussion. You know, like that the freak play that 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 wasn't planned. That wasn't there's no as much as sometimes you know we like talking about the way the Leafs manage their cap. You know, Brandon Pridham gets a lot of shout outs. Uh, you know, in charge of managing the Leafs cap for being kind of a wizard. You know, I saw Mike Stevens say he wishes he could do his taxes. He'd have the Canadian government thing. <laughs> you know, like, in Pridham, we trust. There is a, well, there is a lot of fun with that. And look, at he's done a lot of crazy stuff over the years because the Leafs have been dancing the cap dance for a long time. This, this is actually different in my view because it's a concussion. And, you know, I have no, you know, I've talked to people on both sides. I've got no indication. I don't think they're like, okay, he's done for the regular season. It's not like that. It's, but look, let's see how he recovers. Let's see what happens. I think the Leafs will still potentially make moves where they're taking salary off the roster to, to bring salary in. But if it gets to March 21st and Jake Muzzin doesn't look like there's any hope of him playing before the end of April, well, then that's a whole lot more cap space for the Leafs to maybe be in on some of the bigger names than we would have guessed. Before we get into the whole, you know, the Leafs idea of maybe clearing out more salary, are you a sucker for a good conspiracy theory? I know you mentioned the term conspiracy theory in your last answer. Well, I don't I don't mind one, you know, depends on the subject matter. You know what? I'm just going to leave it there before uh, we start getting way well, too crazy. Your, your, your drink, I'll get a little coffee here. Get a little shot. Yeah, do that. Shout out Collective Arts. Um, so we know the deadline uh, coming in a little less than a month. Uh, when you say that the Leafs could be in a position to, you know, offload some salary, I'm just kind of curious if you could if you could elaborate on that a little bit more. Just kind of give us a very early insight on what the Leafs could do ahead of the deadline, especially with Jake Muzzin on LTIR. Right. This should be framed as what they could do, not what they're necessarily 100% going to do. Exactly. Earlier this season, the Leafs made Travis Dermott and Justin Hall available. You know, they've since made a trade now for Ilya Labushkin over the weekend. And they have a lot of bodies back there. I mean, the game they played in Montreal earlier this week, they had to scratch Rasmus Sandin. And I don't think there's any way that you would look at that and say that was a a scratch based on merit. I think it's, you know, trying to spread around, you know, those, those nights off for players. Now it turns out Jake Muzzin got hurt. And so this might complicate matters a little bit, depending on, you know, what the prognosis is in for him, but, you know, I could see them trading potentially, you know, I think Dermot seems to be more the odd man out, but, you know, one of Dermot or Hall is part of getting another defenseman. Uh, you know, I, I know I haven't really gone through the mental exercise of how it works if they have some thought that Jake Muzzin might not play for the rest of the season. Again, we're working in theoreticals here. This isn't uh, 
hard reported news. The other thing I can tell you that's a little more newsy is the Leafs do want to address their second line. And in an ideal world, in a perfect circumstance, I think they'd like to get another winger to play alongside John Tavares and William Elander. And, you know, probably ideally if there's no cap, they would love to do that while bumping Alex Kerfoot is currently in that position down their lineup because they would, that would make them a deeper team. But, you know, maybe there's some kind of trade to be made where Kerfoot's being removed from the roster. You know, his name has been involved at past trade deadlines. Um, you know, he makes over $4 million. So not really a comment on the player. He's actually had a, that line has recently run into trouble the last 10 games or so, but it, if you look at the season as a whole, Kerfoot's been very productive and, and had a good year, but kind of just an, a little bit of an odd man out situation with a team that's trying to win the cup and is in a cap position that's a bit precarious. You know, it reminds me of Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen a couple of years ago. It's not like the Leafs wanted to get rid of those players at that time. It, it was it was really cap-related decision-making uh, because of what they made. And so I, I think you could see a scenario where that, that happens again. I'm sure they'd prefer to do it where they keep them because they're trying to win the cup. They'd love to have them on their third or fourth line. That, that would be a benefit, but you know, the way this world works, you, you just can't keep everyone. I mean, what the Leafs have basically chosen to do for about four or five seasons now really is they've kept the obvious guys, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Morgan Riley, you know, paid them well. They extended Morgan Riley the season and almost everybody else is interchangeable. Um, you know, if you even go back to when James Van Riemsdyk and Tyler Bozak were free agents, the Leafs just played it out, let them walk. Jake Gardner played it out, let him walk. Uh, you know, Nazem Kadri got traded. They, they kept Tyson Berry, played it out, let him walk. I mean, essentially, they've been they've they've been cycling a lot of players through the other positions, and you know, I think that that's going to continue. Honestly, that, that that isn't the only way that would change is if a decision was made to, to trade one of the core pieces at some point. And as long as Kyle Dubas is a GM. I don't believe he's going to do that. I think he's pretty steadfast in his belief that this is the way to make it work. Done a nice job of filling in around the margins. You know, Michael Bunting's to, to give one example is having a fantastic season. They signed him for 950,000 on the cap. He's got 16 goals. He, you know, he's, he'd played 26 games in the NHL before this year. So, um, you know, I think that it, this has proven to be a model that can work despite the fact they haven't gotten over the hump in the playoffs. And I think it's going to continue at the deadline. I, I really believe the Leafs are going to be, decently active um, in, in this, in this deadline. And, you know, they're, they're all in to win, right? I mean, what's, what's to save at this point? Um, I was, I was doing radio somewhere recently and they asked me like, this is different than the Penguins back in 08, 09. I was like, yeah, well, the Penguins in 08 had Crosby still on an entry level deal. Like they, you know, they hadn't, so they had more time to plan for more kind of cup runs. Like the Leafs are still looking for the breakthrough and you're in the sixth year of Matthews and Marner and, you know, I know we touched on a previous podcast. You just don't necessarily have those guys forever. Or even if you keep them, maybe you got to pay them more and the cap troubles get deeper. Like, you know, you got to treat every year like a, a fine diamond and you got to polish it as, as best you can. And that's what the, the Leafs front office is doing right now. That's a very good point. Uh, I also, uh, I believe Michael Bunting has 17 goals. And if he's not tied, he's at least near the top uh, of goals scored by rookies in the NHL this year. And also when you describe the needs for the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of uh, help needed on D and possibly someone on the wing, without saying it, the Leafs look, I mean, Damon Severson and JT Miller might be good additions for this team. You know what I'm saying? They might be. I don't think it's limited to that. You know, I think Josh Manson makes sense. As I've said, the Leafs have at least phoned on Ben Sherratt. Well, that hasn't gone anywhere, but doesn't mean they can't circle back or there might not be a fit. 
Um, you know, I guess the question becomes, are they looking for a right-headed D or left all of a sudden? And, and a lot of that's tied to Muzzin. I mean, for years, two or three years now, the Leafs have had Riley in their first slot on the left side, and then they have Jake Muzzin on the second shot slot on their left side. It's been unchallenged, essentially. You know, it's kept a player like Rasmus Sandin, who's a left shot, from, from sort of advancing higher in the lineup too much. I mean, now I presume he'll get that opportunity with Muzzin out injured. Maybe he thrives in that role. Maybe they don't need that, that position. Like, I think... I think a lot more than people would probably believe is still up in the air, frankly. I mean, it's three and a half weeks to the deadline. There's a lot of games to be played in that stretch. And I really think the front office is going to have to evaluate where they're at. See, you know, are they comfortable sending playing in that spot? I mean, sometimes crazy thing about injuries, sometimes you learn something about your team. Maybe, maybe a player takes a step, maybe it goes the opposite way and, and you don't have quite what you thought there yet. And, and you have to address it with the trade. And so, um, I, I don't think it's written in the stars yet, but it's it's pretty clear that they've done it. They've circled the D market to figure out what they have there. I think they're sizing up potential players that could play on the second line. I mean, JT Miller would be a perfect fit style-wise, hockey-wise, how productive he is. I, I just don't know that – I don't know if that trade will, will materialize. And, you know, I, I'm not sure Vancouver really wants to trade him, frankly. So that that might also – that might be a real big fly in the ointment as we're talking about a player that doesn't get traded. But he fits with the Leafs one too, because I think in a perfect world, if the Leafs are making these deals, they'd like to not get rentals. And I realize I named some rentals, but I think they'd like players with term, you know, two kicks at two, two playoff runs instead of one or three or four, or whatever it ends up being. So um, look out. I, I, I do, I do believe that this, this will be a busy deadline for the Leafs though. I just too much riding on this season kind of, no one, no one wants to react to just a couple games when they've been as good as they have been all year, but it's, it's, it's going the wrong way on them right now. Um, you know, lots of talk locally here about their, their goaltending and if that needs to be addressed. I, I don't get the feeling right now that that's something they're looking at doing. You know, I think that there's a lot of confidence. This is a blip for Jack Campbell versus a, a trend, you know, a spiral into being an 880 goalie. I don't think that they think that's going to happen. So, um, you know, there's going to be lots to talk about. More Leafs corner to come, but. More Leafs corner to come for sure, because I know a lot of people who listen to the Chris Johnston show will appreciate that. And if the, if, if that means we're going to have uh, an active Toronto Maple Leafs team at the trade deadline, I'm thinking of you uh, <laughs> the run up to the next month, because you're going to be very, very busy. I, I would imagine. Well, it's fun. It's fun watching a team try to get it done. Right. Like, and I realize they haven't even won a playoff series yet. So it seems somewhat premature, but you know, they're, I think you want two things in sports. Honestly, you want to be following a team, making interesting moves and, and building itself up from like a bad stretch, which, you know, like Montreal is going to try to do now. Like, I think that's interesting, like evaluating their moves, plotting what they're doing, or you want a team that literally could break through and win and you're doing everything you can to win. It's I think sometimes when you get in the middle there, where if you're realistic and you're 12th overall in the league, you probably aren't good enough to win. And, and sometimes that can be a little repetitive, but, I think teams at the very bottom and at the very top, how they're operating can be fascinating. And, and there's going to be theater in Toronto this year. I mean, like right now they're due to play Tampa in the first round. Uh, I know there's 30 odd games left that, you know, that could change. They could fall back or maybe pull ahead, but you know, they're playing Tampa, Florida, or Boston, most likely in the first round, if we want to expand it. And either way, it's pretty delicious series in terms of the Leafs being an underdog, probably potentially against all three of those teams. I mean, it depends what you think of Boston. Um, and that this being the sixth year, they might go out in the first round. Uh, man, 
Like it's, it's, there's a lot riding on the next few weeks for the, with, for management and then the next couple of months for absolutely everyone in that organization. You have a better pulse on the Leafs fan base than I do. Quick exercise for you. You mentioned those three teams, uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Boston, all possibilities for the Leafs to face in the first round of playoffs. If you can, can you order them from one to three, one being the team Leafs fans would want to avoid the most, third being the team they would much rather play amongst that trio? So among Boston, Florida, and Tampa. First thing you need to know, Leafs fans are conditioned to believe that everything will go wrong at any moment. Yes, I understand that. I understand that. But I imagine there is at least some team out there where they won't, their anxieties won't perk up as much. So my answer would be they would probably just least likely to face Boston just because of the ghosts in the closet. Second least likely face Tampa because Tampa's damn good. But there's not really a, a thing. And like the team they're probably most hoping for is Florida. Now, what's funny about that is if you're asking me to rank what the Leafs should be hoping for, I might have Florida number one team you don't want to face because I actually believe, you know, and backed up by our man Rod Brindamore and our $100 bet, shout out Cosmo Sportsbook. Uh, yes, sir. Florida might be the best team in the league this year. And so, ironically, I might say Boston is the team the least would most want, should most want to face. Not that it would be easy by any stretch, but it just – I don't think that they're quite the big bad Bruins of old. Um, and, you know, they have some own questions in their, in their net. You know, Jeremy Swayman's doing well. He's a young player, but how is he going to withstand that? I mean, you know, it hasn't worked uh, so well with Allmark there. So I, I would actually order it in reverse for what probably you should want from a hockey standpoint. But Leafs fans are going to feed this through their own narrative. I don't blame them. They've seen a lot of Game 7 losses against Boston. None of them have been – they've all been sort of like differently, achingly, painfully <laughs> – predictable i guess in a sense um so that's how it goes but yeah i, I actually want to see toronto tampa i've wanted to see that for a couple of years i don't know why i just think it'd be fun i've covered the lightning a ton probably more than any team kind of like team that still has its core of this generation like i covered a lot of penguins over the years because crosby's been there but obviously the cheat the team's changed a lot um but you know i just know a lot of people in that organization know the players and I even asked Steven Stamkos about it at the All-Star game. I said, like, are you thinking Toronto? He's like, I've been thinking this for years. He's like, I know what's going to happen. So, like, I think they want it, too, just for the spectacle of it. It'd be kind of cool uh, with Tampa starting trying a campaign for their third straight cup and the Leafs literally life and death. I just think there should be so much offense in that series. You know, Vasilevsky versus Campbell slash Mrazek is probably a pretty big deciding factor in Tampa's corner. Um, but I think it'd be a fun series. Yeah, I think it would be a fun series as well. Um, we will end this Leafs corner uh, with a note that is a little bit sadder than some of the other stuff we've mentioned to this point, and that deals with prospect Rodion, um, um, sorry, excuse Amarov. me, Rodion Amirov, Amirov, excuse me, uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor earlier this week. Uh, the Leafs management announced that in a statement. Uh, it's it's really unfortunate to hear. Uh, him go through this. It's it's really sad. Uh, I know his agent Dan Milstein was tweeting about it. They also put out an email asking for you know fans to if they want to wish him well, they could send their well wishes to that email. Uh, a lot of people in the hockey world have given their well wishes to Rodion as well. Uh, CJ, it's very much an unfortunate situation for the prospect. It is, and you know, twenty years old. I think if you're, you can find some hope in the fact though. You know, I read Elliot Friedman 
did a great job at Sportsnet speaking to Rodian and you can tell he's, he's still hopeful just despite his circumstances here. And you know, that, that no medical expert, obviously, but I think the spiritual side of that is positive that he's, he's committed to wanting to be an example for future people that have to deal with, with something like this, you know, he's still skating three times a week. He's working out every day. I, I have to imagine that at least helps him believe that, there's going to be good days on the other side of what he's dealing with, with his health situation in Germany. Um, you know, he was a pick in 2020 by the Leafs at the 15th spot that kind of a high upside pick in a sense. Um, you know, not, not a safe bet at that position, but a player that, that has, that, that had sort of a longer term potential to be, you know, something special. And, you know, now they're just, we're just hoping for, you know, him to come out and, and live a healthy life, you know, more than, than that. Um, but, you know, he wants to play pro hockey. Humans can do amazing things. Um, you know, we've seen it with, with Oscar Lindblom way, way back when John Cullen, Mario Lemieux, I mean, players have, have dealt with illnesses and, and come out and continue NHL careers and. Saku Koivu. Yeah. Saku Koivu. I mean, what a moment that was. I mean, so, you know, I, Amarov, I'm, I'm certainly not going to place any limitations on him. Um, I don't have all the details of his condition or the exact, you know, situation he's dealing with with his tumor, but, you know, we wish him well. And I know he's going to get great medical care with the, the Leafs staff and, and his team from the KHL. You know, it's been a tough season for him. The way this came about, he got injured right at the start of the year, collarbone and concussion issue. And during the testing and he had, as he tried to make his comeback from that, they discovered this, this, this further problem. I mean, maybe that's a blessing in disguise too, that they, that they were able to discover this and, and find some treatment path for it too. Um, but he, he basically didn't play this year in the KHL. And so, you know, it's going to be a long road for him if, if he is able to, to resume his professional career. But um, as I say, I know we love good support there and he's got a great attitude. You can tell by reading Elliot's article. And if you didn't do that already, I would recommend you go to Sportsnet and find it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to just get a jump uh, on our stick tap segment and uh, you can leave yours for the end, but uh, I will give mine to Rodion uh, just for just in the hopes that he can battle this and just have himself a, a good recovery. Uh, Rodion Amarov, uh, I, I give him my stick tap for this week. I, I can't imagine what going through something like that is like. And the fact that he's still trying to keep himself in in, in good condition amidst all of that is that's incredible to me. I, I don't know how you're able to do that. So Rodion deserves the stick tap from me. Uh, and uh, I think if you are able to wish him well, uh, I don't have the email in front of me from his agent, Dan Milstein, but I know he's tweeted that out on his Twitter. Feel free to send him well wishes over there. And uh, you know, from both of us, uh, CJ and I, uh, you know, we wish him all the best going forward. Uh, Mindset a bit and attitude of a, and everything, okay. brother. Mindset and attitude. Absolutely. That is a very good point. I guess because trans- it'd be weird for me to give it later in the show. Um, and also on a serious topic. So maybe that the, the mood is right, but uh, that's Isabel and gets my skip stick tap. A good friend of mine from back in the day used to cover the Washington capitals for the Washington post. And she's one of the few sports writers that actually got a real job when she grew up and she's been a correspondent for the post in Moscow for the last couple of years. And she's currently in Ukraine and, you know, I don't know yet. Haven't have a fully formed idea on this, Julian, yet about the ramifications of the war that's just started there with Russia. 
Um, obviously, there is some NHL ties. There's a lot of Russian players in the in the league. I, I suspect they'll start getting asked about this. Um, but you know, I just want uh, Isabel to know we're thinking of her. We want her to stay safe as she's over there covering the war. And um, yeah, just uh, sending good vibes out to my friend because you know, her to believe she was covering a Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. You know, worrying about what what you know what the shots were in Game Two, and now she's you know, in a, in a legitimate dangerous spot in the world and reporting on something far more important. Absolutely. Uh, that's very well said. The last thing I'll just add on that is I understand if people are watching and listening to this podcast and they think it's just, it's a weird time right now and you're feeling a little unsettled. Uh, we get that. It's, it's a bit of a tough time. Uh, and just, yeah, my heart's are with a lot of people in Ukraine kind of dealing with this right now. It's a bit of an unfortunate situation. It's a bit of a tough transition to do to go back to talking about uh, other stories in the NHL, but that's what we're going to do. We go from the Leafs corner to stick taps to Philip Forsberg. Uh, I'm sure you saw the uh, tweet from Andy Strickland on Wednesday night, uh, suggesting that the Nashville Predators could somehow move on from Philip Forsberg. Uh, that would be a very interesting piece ahead of the trade deadline. I think at one point the Nashville Predators we're looking pretty good in their division, kind of falling off just a little bit. But uh, this was a team that last year we all thought this was this was going to be a team that was going to have to sell off some assets. Then they powered through and made it to the playoffs. They find themselves in an interesting position now. And Philip Forsberg being available, I, I have a lot of questions about that. CJ, what do you think about this situation? I think it's very much ongoing. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be stunned if they were truly – you know, not to parse the words in Andy's tweet, but like if they're truly aggressively shopping him like that, I don't buy. I think ideally both sides probably want to extend their relationship and find a way to sign him to another contract. You know, he's been a fantastic player for them throughout his career, having an, a monster season, frankly, 26 goals in 38 games um, for Nashville, holding up his end of the bargain. Problem is there's a price tag with that. And, you know, they have a number of players on decent sized salaries, you know, from Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, um, you know, and so how, how much do you pay him? How long do you pay him? That's the dance being tangoed. You know, I do know that he's not expecting a trade, at least at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I guess if it gets to March 21st and they don't find a contract extension and Nashville has slid way below the playoff line, I, I could see a world where he's traded. Look, he's the type of player that gets traded at the deadline. To me, the Predators are still in the playoff hunt. I believe Philip Forsberg wants to remain in Nashville, all things being equal. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a how much of a hometown discount there'll be to get there. I mean, at his stage of his career, this is a big contract, obviously. Um, but you know, I, I, it's not like they're trying to get him out of town so badly. You know, I don't think it should be framed that way. And, and quite honestly, if if he's available, man, like everyone who was excited about JT Miller and and JT Miller might not be traded. I mean you better be calling David Poyle now because, you know, it's hard to imagine someone who could fit that kind of role in a lineup. So that's your New York Rangers, your Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, a bunch of other teams. You can't tell me. And anyone who could fit his salary under the cap could probably find a use for him in a playoff run. And if he's on your second line, you got a team that, that's certainly capable of scoring a lot of goals. So, um, you know, I think that this will be a situation to monitor is the best way to put it. But my sense is not that, it's 100% decided he's being traded. I think, I think it's, it's more likely everyone getting their ducks in a row if, if they can't sign a contract. And look, the, the trade deadline is a deadline of sorts 
potentially for that contract. But even honestly, if it gets there and, and he does, hasn't signed, like the Predators got to want to make the playoffs this year. And yeah. I just don't see a trade as much as you want to retain some value for your asset or receive some value. Like it was, I was mentioning in those, I mentioned about 10 Leafs players that have been walked to free agency the last few years because they were trying to have the best team possible each of those years. And then you got to let them go. I didn't mention Zach Hyman and Frederick Anderson last summer, but they add those to the long list. Um, you know, I think that Nashville's in a position where it's hard to imagine David Poyle at this stage of his career with how much is riding on the season on their end of things will want to weaken his team's hand with that. So I think, I think it's a little bit of, I mean, look, who knows where leaks come from, but I just wonder if, if it's part of the negotiation process that's going on behind the scenes. Interesting. Okay. Well, we're going to have some targeted. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that like someone specifically leaked it to put pressure on them, but like sometimes it feels that way. Right. And, and look, this is a time where a lot of teams do call their teams and their hypotheticals are thrown out. And then sometimes, you know, broken telephone gets played this time of year. And you know, this one maybe on one hand comes out of nowhere, but on the other, I would say, look, he's an expiring contract. He's having a great season. And yeah, if you're Nashville, maybe you're you're just gauging what you might get because that's part of the decision-making process. We're going to have to monitor the situation as it follows, CJ. Uh, another situation I did not expect us to talk about at all on this podcast. I did not, I did not expect uh, throughout the lifespan of this podcast, however long this would last, that we would ever have to bring up this man's name. But Sean Avery is playing professional hockey. What the... Like, in the ECHL with the... Orlando Solar Bears. He's trying to come back to the NHL at the tender age of 41 years old. This is weird. Why? While selling tickets. So because they're getting, <laughs> you know, we're talking about it, right? I mean, that's this is all yeah. promotion. You know, what's funny is I got I got a text actually on Tuesday from a player in the league, like with that that story and just like, you know, laugh emojis basically. And like that's how I learned about it. And then I, I, I wrote back, I said, over under, he plays nine and a half shifts this season. And, <laughs> and he took the under. So like, oh, no, because the reason I, I mean, nine and a half was a bit of a random grab, but I'm thinking like, I could see him playing a period. Like I could see him getting like three or four shifts, but I can't imagine a, he's going to play a whole game or B like play multiple games. And so I just tried to. And so right now that I, I established an unofficial betting line with no, no terms of a bet at nine and a half shifts total in the ECHL 10 years after his career ended for Sean Avery and at least one active professional player is saying under. So I, I think, I think, that this, I think that this will come and go and obviously he'll probably get in a game or a shift. And then because Sean Avery recently posted video, I remember seeing it um, where he was like first time on the ice in X amount of time. And he, he looked a little bit like Steve Dangle did in those Steve Dangle learned to skate videos. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm firing those shots of the guy who has not been skating much lately and was never good to begin with. And never good enough to talk about. So Damn. anyway, this is a total promotional stunt and it'll be funny when he gets in a game, but again, I, I don't see him playing any meaningful amount of time. I don't know about you, but uh, the biggest thing I took from that is that if an ECL, ECHL team is looking for Sean Avery to play, Steve Dangle better get his skating up. He might have a shot, too. <laughs> hey, if you're looking to get the Dangle Navy fired up, you know, get some get some engagement on your, your socials. You could do worse than to sign Steve Dangle to your reserve team. Yeah, you get like SDP. Yeah, sign Steve Dangle and then have like SDPN Fest and like 
Jacksonville. Jacksonville has an ECHL team, the Iceman. Hey, I remember. The Chris Johnson show is willing to travel in support of the SDPN. So yes, anywhere sir. they need it to be, um, we're open for business, Steve. If you can get it, some sort of ECHL deal, we'll broadcast live from the game. It'll be great. Yes, we could go with that. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you think this is as ridiculous as I thought. Uh, Sean Avery trying to make a comeback. Uh, again, trying to get back to the NHL, but he's 41 years old. He might not even cut it for ECHL play. We didn't even get to uh, the story of Mary Philippe Poulain, who turned down an ECHL uh, deal uh, to play with the uh, the Lyon of Trois-Rivières out in Quebec. Uh, that would That's actually a much more interesting story uh, than, than Sean Avery trying to come back. And I actually should have brought that up earlier, but uh, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you have any insight on that. I actually missed that entirely, if I'm being honest with you. And, and the that's listeners. wild, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even see that. I didn't know anything about it. Did she give any reasoning or like why? I haven't really, anything? I haven't really seen much of the of the reasoning out there. It's funny. It's like I, I had seen that the interest was out there, and then I was on the uh, the athletic hockey show on Monday with Ian Mendez, and we actually spoke to Cheryl Pounder about it. I thought the interview was pretty great. And at that point, that's what I really learned. They're like, okay, she turned it down. Truthfully, like just before we started, that's what I learned. She had turned down the the move to to play in the ECHL. And it's and Cheryl brought up a really interesting point with that, in the fact that if Mary Phil, Mary Philip Pelet turning the deal down to play in this men's league. It's it just it's a way of her showing that, you know what, she still wants to grow the game on the women's side and she wants to do it by being in the women's game and not necessarily going off onto the men's side to try to do that. And I think that's a, there's a noble point there. You know, instead of, you know, playing in a men's league, you say, you know what, we're going to stay committed to to growing the game on our on our side. And, and I thought Cheryl made some really interesting points. If you're listening to this on The Athletic, feel free to go back to Monday's show and also go on Tuesday's show where you can hear Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly sing the Canadian National Anthem after losing a bet to me and Ian. But anyway, uh, enough plugs. I'll tell you, I'll tell you yes. this. You know, it's, it's an individual choice. Like, it's funny because it goes two ways, right? Like, Haley Wickenheiser went and played pro in, in Finland when she was at the height of her career. And you can understand that because she wants to push herself to see how good she could be, right? Like she was mm-hmm. at kind of, of the, the, the women's game at that time. Um, you know, so I, I would support Marie Philippe Poulin in either way because I think if she had a similar n- nagging idea that there maybe there's something more, then, then why not try it? But, you know, this is a really delicate time for the women's sport in, in the sense that you're coming off that being the most watched event, the gold medal game, of the women's final. Now I get that that's sort of, that's the pinnacle game for four years of that sport. Um, so it's hard to compare that to then having club teams in various cities playing each other. But, you know, I, I think that we've, they've got to find a way. Like I, I anyway, I know money's, it, this is a hard time in a sense, like a lot of businesses are still struggling and, and it, it's hard circumstances to, to pull something like this together, but it's just way more than time to have a league where, the top female players can at least make a living wage, not have to work other jobs to, to supplement their, their lives and have a chance to compete against each other and grow a fan base. Cause it's pretty clear. There's, there's a, there's a, a group of people that will watch that enough and, and you got to invest. Someone's got to invest in it. You know, hopefully it's mm-hmm. the NHL at some point that's at least coming forward with the money, even if they don't brand it maybe. Um, but you know, I, it's a pretty, it's a pretty strong stance from Poulin to stay, in that fight to get that. Cause I know a lot of people have invested years into that, that battle. And um, like, I'm hoping it, it produces something sooner rather than later. Yep. 
I think that's a good way to put it. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. And I think this is a good place to end our Thursday edition of the Chris Johnston show. CJ, another good week in the books. And we go on to next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that, because the CJ show is undefeated, sir. Oh man, it was nearly defeated today. I, I got to tell you an honest story. So taping at eight 30, which isn't early. And I didn't have a late night last night, but I woke up this morning, snooze the alarm and then had that panic wake up that I'd slept through eight 30, but it was eight twenty. Oh, so I had four minutes, give or take to, to fire up the, the camera and get on with you today. So that, that was nearly a CJ bogey, but glad that that hasn't happened yet. It's actually amazing. I don't know how many episodes we've done, but they're predominantly taped in the morning and neither of us has, has missed the time due to a sleep in. I believe this is episode 43. We've done 43 of these episodes. Uh, I'm trying to count now. So 43 is today. So next week would be, I think, what, three weeks before the deadline? So we get, I'm trying to think if if our trade deadline episode might coincide with like our 50th episode, like that would be pretty funny. Uh, yeah, it would either course, be the one after trade deadline or two after trade deadline. But basically, yeah, because trade deadline, we're going to do a Tuesday episode to look back on the day that was. And yeah, that'll be a rare, that'll be a rare Tuesday, but that'll be worth listening to because we'll be sorting through the wreckage of, of that day. And that also means the Thursday episode before then is going to be jam-packed with a whole bunch of trade stuff, too, because that's the last episode before the trade deadline. So uh, Maybe we'll have yeah. to jam an extra episode in at that time, like depending on how much news there is. I mean, I'm down if you're down. I will make myself available to do that. I was going to say, that hasn't been something we've done, but maybe we can do some kind of weekend episode, too, depending on if the news warrants, you know? Let's, let's workshop that. We haven't, I haven't run that by the boss yet. I don't know if he wants us to do that, but why not? I'm willing to do that. Also, uh, people watching or listening to this, uh, tweet at Adam Wild that it's something that you might want. Let us know in the comments if it's something that you want. I know I want it. If CJ's down, I'm down. Let's. I'll make. We'll find a way to make that work. I'll just uh, make sure not to snooze yeah. my alarm that morning. Yeah, you know. Well, hopefully on a weekend you won't have to use an alarm. Well, you know, unless you have to go to like a morning skate, I guess for some reason. But it happens, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, subscribe to the uh, Chris Johnston show wherever you listen to podcasts uh, on YouTube. SDPN is the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that so you can get full episodes there and clips of the show. Uh, you can listen to the episode ad-free on The Athletic if you're subscribed to The Athletic. And of course, as always, check out Chris Johnston's stuff in the Toronto Star, the Inside the NHL column that comes out periodically, and some of his other fun stuff there too. For CJ, I'm Julian, saying so long and peace. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode of The Chris Johnston Show. Stay safe, busy. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie.